Thank you for joining us for the Ravenswood Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor Dustin Moore. We are a Bible-believing, grace-driven church located on the north side of Chicago. As a church, we are passionate about making disciples of all people for the glory of God. If you would like more information about our ministry, visit ravenswoodbaptist.org. Now, here's Pastor Dustin. Philippians chapter 1, if you will, in your Bibles. and I know you've, you've heard me talking a lot today, so I'm going to I'm going to ask you just to really kind of key in for these next few moments. There's so much I could say, and to be honest with you, with three verses, there's so much I could unpack that I'm not going to today. Because we are observing the Lord's Supper in just a moment, the message will be significantly briefer. And so I'm going to ask you to follow along because I'm going to do something I don't normally do. I'm going to read almost every word of my notes today. The, this, this title, this theme today, Praying with Paul. Praying with Paul. And for time, I'm not going to rehash a lot of the Philippian context. As we've begun this series in the book of Philippians, I'm not going to rehash this much. I'm going to read the text and then I want you to buckle your seatbelt and travel with me through this message today. Philippians chapter 1, verse number 9. And if you look at your outline or your scripture there, your Bible, follow along. This is God's word. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. That ye may approve things that are excellent. That ye may be sincere and without offense. Till the day of Christ. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ. Unto the glory and praise of God. Three verses... One unbelievably loaded prayer. I'm not sure if you're anything like me, but I have found throughout my Christian life that it is often the essentials of my walk with the Lord are the hardest to prioritize. Up there at the very top of that priority list would be the priority of prayer. Do you find yourself as a Christian, in constant struggle with that prayer, with that prayer life. Prayer has been defined by many, but today, let us consider it as our conversation with God in His presence. Prayer doesn't have to happen at church. Prayer doesn't just have to happen in your home. Prayer is your conversation with God, who is always now in Christ, present with you. The words of the text here follow Paul's description of his love for believers. And it's not surprising. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 8, we saw these words. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels 
of Jesus Christ. Literally what Paul's saying here is, I, I, I long for you in the deepest parts of Christ, from the, from the greatest parts in the bowels of Jesus, and his love for you, and his affection for you, I long for you like that as well. He loves these Philippian believers. And because he does, Paul prays for them as a loving brother, and as a loving shepherd, and as a loving apostle. His commitment to pray for the Philippian Christians is rooted in that love. Surely the apostle finds the example of that love and that prayer in the Lord Jesus, who in John chapter 17, he prays for his disciples, those 11, and then he prays for all future disciples that the apostle finds in Jesus an example of loving prayer for believers. And so the apostle, changed by Jesus, with the life of Jesus in him, he too prays like that. And the apostle shows us what affectionate prayer looks like by somebody who is not the Lord Jesus. He shows us genuine, pointed prayer. Like, hear me very importantly today, church family. He shows us what it looks like to pray for others whom we also love. For those of us who struggle to pray. Sometimes the reason we struggle to pray for people is we don't know for what to pray. What do I say? How should I pray for them? And what we find in Philippians 1 is we find a pattern. A pattern, if you will, that if you'll this week go home and open up the Bible to this text, you can literally pray this pattern of prayer. It's not just in this church at Philippi, but Paul shows us that the love that he has for believers It comes out in almost all of his writing. He prays for the Ephesian Christians in Ephesians 3. He prays for the Colossian Christians in Colossians 1. He's praying for the the, the Christians in Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 1. He prays for Timothy in 2 Timothy 1. He prays for all those that gather in Philemon's house in Philemon verses 4 and 6. In almost all of Paul's, Paul's letters, he is expressing prayer for his brethren. This is only because Paul, stay with me now, Paul has experienced Jesus. When you experience the life-transforming good news of Christ, and His Spirit is, is transforming and changing and molding and shaping believers, He brings them to be prayerful believers for other believers. And all of Paul's prayers... There are two, there are, in all of Paul's prayers, there are two driving desires, and here's what they are. That Paul prays for Christians to be biblically formed and deeply affectionate. Say, so what do I pray for my friends? What do I pray for my church family? That they'll be formed in Christ and that their love will grow and increase. Unfortunately, for many Christians, They're biblically knowledgeable, and they're doctrinally driven, but they lack love for people. They know the word, but they would never walk across the street to give it to somebody. On the other hand, 
There are people who are only loving and there is no truth. To which I would argue, how loving is it to not share the truth? But Paul's prayer is that we as believers will be both word-shaped and loving to our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's not an either-or prayer. It's a both-and prayer. And so the two points that I want to just give you by way of introduction this morning is that regarding this thing of affectionate, loving, word-centered prayer, can I tell you this, my friends, that praying for someone might be the most loving thing we can ever do for them. Praying for somebody might be the most loving thing you'll ever do for them. On the other hand, we cannot carry animosity in our hearts towards someone for whom we regularly pray. Have you ever tried to pray for somebody you're mad at? And usually that means you're praying for God to do something to judge them for what you're mad about. But when we pray affectionate, word-centered prayer, we find that in our hearts we cannot hold animosity with a brother and sister, and we in turn see a heart of love develop from the Holy Spirit. And so I ask you today, for whom are you praying? For whom are you praying? Or maybe another question is, for whom should you be praying because of your heart posture towards that person? And so as we go into this, I want you to see the rich content of this prayer. The first thing I want you to notice is that Paul prays for love. Paul prays for love in your outline there. Number one, the first statement, Paul prays for love. Now that's not the end of it. Because we're going to see how this love expresses. But notice in verse number 9, he says this, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more. Now I'm going to stop there. (laughs) That's not the end of it, but I'm going to stop there for just a moment. Because I want you to notice that in this prayer, that in this prayer, Paul prays that love would abound. If you will, it's like a cup that is overflowing from the psalmist in Psalm 23. My, my cup runneth over. It is, a, it is a constant abounding work. It never stops abounding in love. Is it love for God? Is it love for brethren? He doesn't say. He says, I pray that your love may abound. The answer is this. He's actually praying for an increase of love that is both vertical to God and love that spills out horizontally, to others around us. It's an Old Testament picture. It's a, it's a law picture of love God and love neighbor. And so Paul prays that our love would abound, and his prayer for us is that it would abound and keep abounding and keep abounding. What a tremendous mark of a biblical New Testament church and Christian, that they abound in love, that their love is ever-increasing. Love for people they never thought they could love. Love for people they didn't even think they would ever know, apart from Jesus. But Paul does not stop in just praying that love would abound. It's a specific love. It's a specific prayer for love. And here's what it is. He says that your love may abound yet more and more. And notice these, in two areas. In knowledge and in all judgment. Now, this is one of those areas that I wish I could just, I could just unpeel 
all the pieces of the, of the onion here. But, but simply put, what he's saying is that Paul desires that their love would be, that they would love more and it would abound in knowledge. That Because love, and, love to us is very sentimental. We feel love. We like to feel loving. And love is always connected to how we feel. But that's not what Paul is talking about here. That's not what he's praying for for them. Give me your attention. Please hold your places, okay? Stay right, please, stay right where you are and just listen for about 10 minutes to the word. What Paul prays for them is that their love would grow and that it would abound in knowledge, in the knowledge in which Paul speaks of. And he talks about at least 15 times is the knowledge of God and of Christ. That they would abound in love, in knowledge of God and Christ. All throughout, 15 times in his letters, all the times he talks about knowledge, it's connected to God and to Christ. Paul is praying that their love would abound in the knowledge of God. Now, listen very carefully. Parents, help me. Help your children listen. It's good for them to be in church today. That in our knowledge of God, that our love would abound. What do we mean by that? In the words of Frank Sheed, it means that every new thing about God, for every new thing about God, we find a new reason for loving God. We must understand that Christian love is never, Christian love is never a matter of sentimentality. Christian Christian love comes from a work of the Holy Spirit, bringing the revelation of Christ through the Word of God. And the more, here's what it is, here's the crux of this, the more you are in the Word, the more your knowledge of God in Christ will increase, and the more your love will abound. What Paul is praying is that they would come to a more of a knowledge of Christ, more of a knowledge of God, more of a knowledge of the Word of God, and in doing so, their love for God would continue to abound. Because here's the reality of this, and remember this. A shallow love for God is a sure sign of a shallow knowledge of God. A shallow love for God is a sure sign of of a shallow knowledge of God. If you could help me, hold everybody out, please. Hold everybody out. I'm going to ask parents, I'm going to ask, please help. And and, and when you come to church, please find your place and hold it. This is the preached word, my friends. It's too important for those around us. When it comes to the knowledge of God, and it comes to hearing the word, In reading the word, it is not an end to itself, but in knowing the word, it should increase our love for God. That's why this moment, hear me, that's why I'm so passionate about this moment. Because for many in here, it's the one time this week that you'll hear the word preached. And my heart is that in hearing, you'll learn. And in learning and gaining knowledge, your love will grow for God. That's why this is so important. It's why it's good for our kids to learn to be in church. And it's why it's good for us to learn to hold our spot in church. Because in hearing, without distraction, the word grows. And the word grows. And the word grows in our heart. And love abounds. And love abounds. And love abounds. 
And this is Paul's prayer. You say, Pastor, you're serious about this. Yes, because this is what I pray for you. This is how I pray for our church, that when we get to the Word and we get to 1130 every Sunday, that we'll cue into the Word because I long for your knowledge of God to grow so that your love for God will grow. That's why. That's why it's important. That's why it's important for you to read the Word and study the Word. That's why it must be a priority to the gathered worship with our Bibles open. Do you have a Bible today with a Bible open, with a heart open? So that we can, and by the way, daily the word open so that the scriptures, the scriptures can give us the knowledge of God. And this brings greater love in our hearts. For my love to abound, I must know him. Now this is the pattern of spiritual growth for which Paul's praying. Stay with me. This is the pattern of spiritual growth for which Paul is praying. And we're going to put it up there. And it might be in your outline. I believe it's in your outline. Here's how it goes. I love him. Why? Because he first loved me. I love him. And then I want to know him because I love him. What I've learned about him makes me love him more. And so I want to know him more. And so my entire life begins to be a repeat of that cycle. I, I love him. I want to know him. What I've learned about him makes me love him more. And because what I've learned about him makes me love him more, I want to know more. And I want to be around people who know God more. And I want to be in church more. And I want to, have a, I want to read my Bible more. And boy, summertime, I want to be intentional about growing more. Why? Because it is vital that we grow in our knowledge of God and of Christ so that our love can abound. Our love can abound. He's worthy of that. So the more we know him, the more our love will rush up to him and overflow to others around us. But there's another word here that Paul prays would abound. He prays that this would abound and and that this love for God would drive an insatiable appetite for knowing God. And here's the other word. It's the word judgment. Judgment. That you would abound in knowledge and in all judgment. In short, this judgment, it's a practical judgment. It's a practical understanding of life. It's insight or or wisdom, if you will, or discernment that drives a daily conduct. Now, I need you to hear this. And I'm okay if I don't finish this. If you get these points. Here's how this pattern goes. I love God because He loved me when I was unlovable. I want to know Him. I study. I read. I spend time with believers learning more and more. I I spend time, men, we, we gather for breakfast like we did yesterday and we pray together and we fellowship together and we talk about the Lord together. And so what happens is I love Him and now I'm growing. I love Him more and now I'm growing more. But that doesn't stop the cycle. It doesn't just become, I only have biblical knowledge because I love him. But also through the leading and the working of the Holy Spirit. In all that, I now have a practical judgment for how life should be lived. You say, give me an example. Well, now I have a biblical understanding of how I should handle my finances. 
I have a biblical understanding for how I should treat and love my wife. I have a biblical understanding of how I should work when it's time to work. I have a biblical understanding of how I should drive my car or eat food or things like that that are a practical wisdom. You say, how does that develop? In a lot of means. But what Paul prays is that, hear me, this is it. This is how this goes. I love God. I want to know God. And because I know God, I now think differently about everything else over here. And I now have the wisdom to apply to these things. By the way, it might mean also that it's not that in the Bible you find these things. Some of these things are not always black and white in the scripture, but here's how it'll come out often. In my conversation with a brother or sister in Christ, they might say, hey, have you ever thought about this? What drove that conversation? My love for God and my desire to know him. My love for God and desire to know Him. And now I'm enjoying fellowship with other believers that I wouldn't normally hang out with. And now I'm learning things that I would normally never even think of that now change how I live my life. So what drives that? Abounding love. Abounding love. And so Paul prays for that, for these Christians. My friends, that's my prayer for you. But this is not about my prayer for you. This is also about our prayer for each other. That in our prayer for each other, God would use us to lead other people to the knowledge of God and to lead us to help people to be understanding and discerning and prudent and have have earthly wisdom, practical wisdom for how to function on this earth. Secondly, secondly, and I'm going to conclude here. Secondly, Paul prays for maturity. I'm going to combine the last two statements into this maturity thing. And if you're a little bit OCD, that last blank is that Paul prays for for fruit for God's glory. Fruit for God's glory on that last line. But I'm going to combine these two for for conversation and, and, and brevity today. Stay with me. Paul prays for maturity. If you'll let me for a moment, I want to, I want to speak to you in a very, very pastoral way, if I can. Paul's prayer for maturity. Notice it here in verses 10 and 11. He says that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the praise and unto the glory and praise of God. Now I've got to, I've got to move quickly here. Paul's prayer for this maturity is deeply practical. It's very practical. What I mean by that, it's very normal to our daily life. That you may approve things that are excellent. This right here, that approving things that are excellent is very, very daily functioning. Here's what he means. It's the imagery of a farmer who, take, who might look at two cows and might not say one cow is, is bad. He might look at both cows and say they're both good, but hear me, one is better. Here's where I want to be practical. Paul's prayer for them is not so much about what is right and wrong here. This is not that Paul prays that they'll learn, well, it, it, it's okay, you know, it's, 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 it's not good to kill somebody, and, and it is good to do. That's not what Paul's talking about. He's not talking about specific sin here. Paul's prayer for them is that they would have the wisdom, going back to the last verse, that they would have the wisdom to make discerning choices in their life 
about what is good and might be lawful for them, and also at the same time what might not be wise for them as believers. Now, we're really good as Christians. I I can be really good as a pastor, if you let me, of telling you what is right and what is wrong. The struggle we often find as believers, especially in 2019, is all of these things that bombard us and all of the entertainment that bombards us. We find ourselves as Christians believing that there are some things that are lawful for us, as Paul says in other places, but not expedient. They're not for our spiritual maturity. This is the prayer of maturity. That these believers would grow to the place where they would begin to say, this might not be sinful, but it's definitely not wise for me as a believer. This is where we get into some some things. And by the way, that might be different for a lot of people. But life is a series of choices and decisions. And in these decisions and choices, we find ourselves often with foolish choices that will leave us unprepared for the coming Christ. And it's the little choices in our life. There is not a choice that you make that that has no value and no effect on the big decisions that you ultimately make. And so a Christian who is overflowing with love for God and love for others, as well as a growing knowledge of God in Christ, and as well as growing in a practical wisdom of life, will be able to discern with the Spirit's help what is the best thing they should be doing in moments of their life. Parents, this ought to be a regular prayer for you. Lord, lead me to do that which is excellent. Lead me to do that which is excellent. Why? Because I've been entrusted with young souls. Help me at work to do that which is excellent. It might not be that it is advisable for me as a Christian to partake in this conversation. There's, look, I, I, could, I could get into the entertainment and I would say that there's clear-cut reality about how you and I are to see ourselves as the people of God in the entertainment which we consume. But not every line is clearly drawn. So we have to be discerning. We have to be that believer who says, I understand, I am, I am called to a higher calling. And this idea of praying to, that we would approve things that are excellent is part of being a mature believer. And then he goes on to say, in this prayer, that they may be sincere and without offense. This is a pastoral desire that they live purely Morally transparent lives, free from stumbling, free from offense to other believers, free from offense before God. And hear me, and thus when they stand before the Lord Jesus, they do so, stay with me, they do so with confident joy. Can I be honest with you this morning? One of my greatest desires for the people that God has graced me to pastor is that when you and I stand before Jesus, that as your pastor and as the church that that we are here at Ravenswood, that we will have equipped you and encouraged you to stand before Jesus with great joy and with preparation, with attention, 
That this church and this ministry will have aimed you to that end. Husbands, hear me. That is your calling to your wife. That you are to present your wife back to the Lord Jesus. That you are to present her as your wife without spot, without blemish to the Lord. That you have led your wife in a mature, godly way. Wives, that is your prayer and your encouragement for your husband. Parents, that is your desire for your children. Siblings, that is your encouragement to those that watch you. That you would be a part of that Christian maturity that leads them to stand joyfully before the Lord. Which leads to that last portion where he, Paul says, being filled with the fruits of righteousness. You know what Paul's desire in this maturity is? That their life will be so full of the Spirit of God's work. Galatians chapter 5 there in your outline. That you be so full of the Spirit's work that when you stand before the Lord Jesus, that the limbs of your spiritual tree will be hanging so full of spiritual fruit that when you stand before the Lord, hear it, it's to the praise of His glory. It's to His glory and praise. It's the doxology. It's unto the glory and praise of God that as I, when I stand before Jesus that I will stand with joy knowing, knowing that my love is abounded in knowledge and in all judgment, approving those things which are excellent without with standing before Him sincere and without offense. Here's the reality, my friends. One day you will stand before Christ. Your spiritual growth is not a means to an end. Your spiritual growth is leading you to that day when you stand before Jesus. I need you to hear me. That's why this is so important to me. Because one day I will stand before the Lord and I will give an account for how I've shepherded and preached and led this body. That's why a few moments ago I was serious about please come to church and find your place. Why? I'll give an account for how I shepherd this church. I'll give an account for how I teach, and so it's a very serious thing for the opened word. It's a very serious thing to gather at the Lord's table. This is not just a blip in our week. This is not just a calendar item to check off. This is opening the sacred word of God so that we may grow and our love may abound. And our wisdom might abound. And our understanding of how to live. As I said, everybody will stand before the Lord. You'll give an account. Unbeliever or believer. My prayer is that this church, believers in this church, would overflow in a limitless fountain up to God and out to others with His knowledge with judgment, approving those things which are excellent, that one day when we stand before Christ, and we all will, we may do so to the praise and glory of God. To the praise and glory of God. This summer, be as intentional about growing spiritually as you are about everything else. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at ravenswoodbaptist.org. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media ministry and outreach ministry of Ravenswood, 
Your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Chicago and around the world.